0: Today's reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. That's chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and it's on page 1210 of the Church Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles,
1: Let's pray uh, as we uh, begin uh, this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this journey we've been going on uh, through Hebrews. Um, and Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to lift up our eyes to see Jesus, to consider him, to be encouraged by him, to long to follow him, for your glory and our good. Amen. Now, um, if there are two words that would strike, that strike, yeah, that strike? <laughs> fear in me at secondary school, and maybe did to you as well, it was cross-country. You know, that, that thing of just running through a muddy field. I mean, you know, unless you're Stephen you, who's going to like that? I mean... I, would, I love sport, but I would use sport as an example. So I've got a bit of a dodgy knee, big hockey match next week, can I miss cross country? You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, any normal person would rather be kicking back in front of the fire with a big thing of cake. You know, that's the sensible thing, isn't it? But, but running, uh, running is, is something which, which sort of run through society. And indeed, there are, there are famous stories of runners. Uh, so uh, Eric Liddell, uh, the famous uh, runner. You may you know the story of Eric Liddell. Uh, he was, at the time, the, the, the quickest, supposedly quickest, 100-metre runner in the world, uh, leading up to the 1924 Olympics in Paris. Uh, but uh, the final was going to be on a Sunday, and he would refuse to run on a Sunday. Uh, so he pulled out. If you've seen the movie, uh, you'll think that actually uh, that decision happened a couple of days before the event on the, the boat overwards. But in real life, uh, he had months uh, of preparation. In real life, he found out, uh, you know, six months or so beforehand. But actually that meant that he then had six months of the British public calling him a coward, uh, calling him saying, you're, "You're betraying our country. You're the great hope for, for winning the gold medal, the, the kind of the prestige event at the Olympics, and you're doing what?" Now, we know the story, you know, he goes on to the 400 meters and, and wins the 400 meters. But the race that Eric Little was running wasn't the 100 meters, it wasn't the 400 meters or the 200 meters he got a bronze medal in. Actually, it was the race of faith. That was the real race that he was running. That was what uh, was on his mind, was how can I run in such a way to please my Lord, to run the race of faith. And as we come towards the the end of our our series in Hebrews, we get this picture of a race. End of verse 1. That's The the C just means it's the very last part of verse 1, chapter chapter 12, verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us as we uh, journey in life, this Christian life, let us run the race. The Christian life is a race. It's not passive. It's not kind of just sitting back and just being taken along. No, it's a race. It's running. It requires perseverance and effort. And I think probably many of us know that. We know that sense that, that this race of faith needs effort, But actually, therefore, the biggest danger for us is that we give up. Our biggest danger is, at the end of verse 3, that we will become weary and lose heart. That's that's the biggest danger, isn't it? That the race gets too tough, too hard, tiring. Uh, And so we give up. Well, uh, just in these three little verses, uh, we're giving free reasons or free encouragements to help us to keep going, to not give up. Uh, So here's the first one Uh, Look at the crowd. Verse 1, verse uh, 1a. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Uh, Whenever you see the word therefore, you always ask that little question, what's the therefore, therefore? Uh, And we've just come back uh, in light of that great chapter 11, uh, the hall of fame of faith, uh, where we see uh, all those sort of great characters in the Bible, the stories that we learn as children. And it's saying, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But we're sort of asking the question, well... uh, Who's watching who? Now, I don't know. Does anyone know where this picture is? You will know? It's the Amex. It's the Brighton Hove Stadium. There you go. I know. But anyway, so it's the Brighton Hove Stadium. It's the Amex. I don't know if you've been there. Um, but whenever you watch a sporting event, I love going to sporting events. You know, all the energy, the action, uh, just seeing all the players going on. Uh, it's fantastic. But here... It's not as if the, the characters of Hebrews 11 are there to, to watch the action, to watch uh, us going on. No, it, it, it's actually they're there to cheer us on. It, it's for them to say, the players to say, look who's watching you. Uh, look, the ones who have been faithful, the ones who have run the race and completed it. Look who's gone before you. You know, remember Noah. You Noah, know, the guy who built a boat in the middle of a massive dry plain. He won the way. He ran the race. He completed the race. Abraham, who promised that he'd have sort of, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of descendants, have a great land where well, he never saw the promises completed before he died. Uh, Rahab, who gave up everything that she knew to follow God's people. Look back at those heroes of faith, at the ones who have gone before, the ones who have run the race. Follow them. But actually, I I think we can push it even further and say, actually, we have the examples from the scriptures, but actually we have examples in our own lives of people who we can know, who we knew, people we know who ran the race, who lived for Christ, ran for Christ, and then died loving Christ. Uh, For me, I look back upon uh, my gran and godmother, both uh, lovely godly ladies who really, humanly speaking, had not much to their name, but in their own way, followed Christ, ran for Christ, and then died loving Christ. They're examples to me of people who have run the race and finished. And I've had the privilege here at BH of ministering to people in those moments who have run the race and died with Christ. But actually, as I've done that, they've ministered to me far more. Their witness still speaks to me today. I wonder for you, as you look on your own life, who are those people? Who have been your examples Maybe it is a parent, grandparent, friend who's run the race, who's shown, look, you can do it. Life may throw things at you, but you can do it. Keep going. We see, uh, therefore, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses uh, from those in Hebrews 11 who have, uh, the, the famous ones of the scriptures, We can point to and say, look, they've done it. But also those that we know personally that say, look, they've done it. Keep going. Keep going. They're cheering you on, longing for you to keep going. Look at the crowds. uh, But then secondly, uh, drop what you don't need. Middle bit of verse one. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily uh, entangles. As I sort of hinted at, you know, running is not fun. But there is a different type of running that's even worse than doing cross country, uh, and it's when you've got to do this. It's when you're going to like a um, a plane or something or a train, and you've got a great big bag, and you're sort of just trying to, you know, run along. Oops. You know, have you done that before? Run for a train with some sort of suitcase, and you're you're being pulled off. That's even worse. And if you make it, you're there going, and everyone's going, oh, just, you can sit over there. Um, But it's hard because you're trying to lug along something. There's a reason that the ancient Greeks ran wearing nothing, nothing to hinder them. And as we come to this verse... This little bit, it's saying, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, There are two different things there. Everything that hinders and and sin. Uh, Let's just take uh, sin first. Uh, I mean, sin is poison. We know that, don't we? I mean, if you're preparing for a race, you don't drink poison. In fact, if you're preparing to watch TV, you don't drink poison. Uh, Sin, the sense of uh, the things that draw us away from Christ, drop it. You'll never regret, never regret any decision you make to drop sin. And so for the Christian, actually, the, the first thing we've got to do, though, is to, is to own our sin is to recognize that we are people who are guilty. Uh, so much of our problems come when we, when we think we're okay or, or uh, when we, we don't think we've got a problem. We, we might say things like, well, I was just really tired. It's not my fault. I was just really tired. Or you know, I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't done something to me. Or it's just who I am. No, we have to own our sin and say, look, yeah, I may have been tired, but it's still my fault. I may have been provoked, but it's still my fault. I may be inclined to a certain way, but it's still my fault. We need to own our sin. But then when we do that, when we say, Lord, I am a sinner, as we've said already in the words of the confession then we go to a saviour who says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we own our sin, we go to Christ and Christ takes it away. If you don't, it's still on you. Throw off your sin. Uh, but secondly, uh, throw off everything uh, that hinders, uh, going back into our, our, our running race illustration, uh, if you're preparing for a race, what you probably shouldn't do is just eat a load of McDonald's. Like, it might be all right. It might be good. It might taste okay. It's not bad inherently, but it's not going to help you in a running race if your diet is Mackey D's. No, you, you need to drop it. You need to drop the things that are not helpful for you, that they may not in themselves be wrong, but drop the things that aren't helpful. As I've been thinking about this, and also thinking about tomorrow night, the parenting together, by which anyone is welcome to come to. We're all involved in parenting because there are children in this church. So if you'd like to come, please do come. But I've been thinking about habits, habits that we form um, and we all have habits, don't we? Some are silly little things. So you know, you, maybe you're sat in the chair here that you sat in for the last how many years at church. It's a habit. It's just where you sit. That's fine. Uh, maybe you eat your roast dinner in a particular way. That's fine. It's just a habit that you do. But, but we all have other habits too. So uh, when you wake up in the morning, what do you do? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Do you go downstairs and, and get a coffee? Uh, do, you, do you check your emails or your the news on your phone? Do you listen to radio? Wh- whatever it is, I don't know. But but what are the things that you do? What are the habits that you're in? Because our habits form us. In and of themselves, they might not be bad or wrong, but they are forming you. So in the morning, for example, if if you've done all those things, then by the time you've been up for 10 minutes, your mind is full of 101 different things. But are those things going to help you to run the race? I've been really challenged to think, actually, you know, as soon as I wake up in the morning, what does it mean for me, perhaps to just for 30 seconds, to say a one-line prayer as I get out of bed? or to make sure that I have scriptures before I look at any screens, or scriptures before whatever, shower, I don't know. But just things that are going to help form you. It's not for me to say what those things are, but, but it, it wouldn't be a bad thing just to slowly in your mind, think through your day, the things that you do at different points, and just to ask yourself that simple question, are they helping me? They might be. They might not be. Are they helping me run the race? If not, drop it. Drop what you don't need. Uh, Look at the crowd, drop uh, what you don't need. Uh, But then, lastly, look to the end, look to Jesus. Verse 2 Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is the the pioneer. What does that mean? It means uh, that he's the one... uh, who's made the path. Uh, It means that he's the one who has gone ahead. It means that you don't have to fumble around thinking, how am I going to get to God? He's done it already. He's made the path ahead. He's gone ahead and made that path. He is the pioneer, but he's also the perfecter. It's not simply of him going, right, this is the path. If you can kind of follow after me, uh, and if you get there, great. No, it's as if he's made the path, but he's also carried us along it. By his act, we have been made clean. The race that we're running, we have already won. You have already won. Because Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. But more than that, he is also, though, our example. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew what his life was going to entail. He knew exactly what was coming. But he did not bulk, he did not flinch. In fact, do you notice it says, for the joy, the joy set before him. Now, so often in life, we, 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 think, we, we basically think that a, a, a carefree, problem-free life, that is the joyful life. But that's not what, joyful life is. No, uh, Jesus went through that because he knew what it was accomplishing. He knew that through his life, through his death and resurrection and ascension, uh, he would accomplish the saving of you and me. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, his finished work. So he would be prepared to go through it because he knew what was ahead. He endured that the mocking He endured the the crucifixion. He endured the isolation because he knew what was coming. And so we are to follow his example, to to look to Jesus, to look to the end, to to look to our Savior. And so as we go through this race, as we face the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the sweet, the sour, we do so because we look to the end and we say, Lord, I will consider this pure joy. Why? Because through it, you are making me more like your son. Because through it, you will bring me home. Because the joy-filled life is not a life which is devoid of trouble. Uh, The joy-filled life is the one which has Jesus with me. That's just drawing bits together. Look at the crowds. Remember who's gone before you. They're cheering you on. Examples of the faith. Keep going. Throw off everything you don't need. Drop what you don't need. Run as best you can. And then look at the end. Look to Jesus. Consider him. As I said, our, our problem is that we're just gonna, we might be tempted to, to give up, to get tired and give up, to slow down, that the, the fire just is a little bit less bright. The desire to, to come to church becomes a little bit less. The longing to read his words, the love for others is not so great. And slowly by slowly, we just feel weary, and tired. But consider him. Consider him. That the one who takes you by the hand. The one who has gone ahead of you. The one who has run the race already. So that our race has already been won. Consider him who put his foot upon death. Consider him who promises to bring you home. Consider him who loved you to die for you. Consider him and follow him. Consider him and follow the path. And as you do, Will not the air fill up your lungs again? As you do, will not your load lighten because you remember that your burden has been tumbled off into the cross? As you do, will you not keep on going for another day? It doesn't mean that life's hardships won't come. It doesn't mean there won't be struggles and strifes. But it means that we know where we're headed, because he has already won. Consider him. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race. Loving Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have gone before us. Lord, we pray that we may place Jesus before our eyes, that we may consider him, consider his love for us, that that he has won the victory. He has been the pioneer and perfecter of our faith so that we may today run the race, and then tomorrow we may do it all again. Father, give us strength today, we pray, to run the race, to fix our eyes on Jesus, for your glory and our good. Amen.